what what's bizarre about all of this is that clearly Andy and I are in the same country, but it's taken you to get me and Andy together. Exactly. I, right? <laughs> Isn't that crazy? <laughs> That's awesome. The power of Twitter. Welcome to Packers Without Borders, the greatest podcast on the planet. <laughs> Bienvenidos empacadores sin fronteras, dos papás dedicados al amor, la risa y los empacadores de Green Bay. Packers Without Borders, the greatest podcast on the planet. Two dads talking love, life, dedicated to the Green Bay Packers. Go Pack Go! Verde y amarillo hasta la muerte. Hey, this is Eric from the Acme Army podcast from northern Wisconsin. We're hanging out with the Packers Without Borders boys, Matt and Bruce. Welcome to Packers Without Borders. I am your co-host up here in frozen Oak Bank, Manitoba, Canada. I am joined. Oh, no, I'm not joined by Bruce Edmonds this week. Jo Bruce has got a sick puppy. He is uh, tending to his sick puppy, but that's okay. Because I've got two of the greatest minds in UK Packer fandom. On the show today, we've got Andy Fox and we've got Peter Jones. How are we doing, fellas? We're doing great. I'm calling you or speaking to you here from frozen Sheffield in, the, in Yorkshire. And Peter? Doing good, doing good. So I'm a little bit further south than Andy. I'm just north of London. It's cold, but it's not quite as frozen as I think Andy is. Oh, yes. How, how, how cold is it right now, Andy? It is, well, we've got uh, about three foot of snow on the ground outside, so same with us. Canada. Same, same with us. It is currently, uh, today's uh, uh, really warm. It's going to get up to uh, zero today, but uh, overnight, uh, two nights ago, it was minus 32. Oh, my word. Just, uh, oh, yeah. You gotta <laughs> love the Canadian prairies. <laughs> I, I'm, clo I'm closer to the equator than both of you two guys. That's what it is. <laughs> <laughs> I wish. I wish, you know, and Bruce always says, oh, gosh, it got so cold last night. And I go, oh, how cold did it get? And he goes, oh, about six degrees. I'm like, get out of here. Get out yeah. of here. And they're showing me pictures of parkas. I'm like, well, at six degrees, I'm still wearing shorts, my friend. <laughs> you know, I can, I can live through that. So we've got a, we just finished the terrible, terrible Vikings game where it was in our grasp couple of miscues, couple of misplays here and there. This is always what it's like when we play the Vikings or we play, uh, you know, the Lions. There's always, for some reason, a miscue here and there. Something doesn't, like, what's going on? And then suddenly, you know, we split. I'm a firm believer that if we lose to the Vikings once, we won't lose to them again that season. The boys are, you know, I, and, and really, if you look at it from about the second quarter on, we were all over them. We yeah, just we could right. not, we just could not get going. And, you know, Mason Crosby missing that field goal. They score a field goal in the last second to, to go up. I mean, they would have just tied it. Ifs and buts were candy and nuts. We'd all have a Merry Christmas. Let's start. We've got the Rams and the Packers. We've got uh, the Los Angeles Rams coming in at uh, seven and three. We've got the Packers at uh, eight and three. And uh, we've got the Rams coming into a frozen Lambeau field. It is cold and they are shoveling 
out there at uh, Lambeau. How do how do we feel about this week's matchup, Andy? I'm concerned because if we do exactly what we did last week, we're gonna well, it's gonna end up worse, isn't it? Because we are against the best in the business this week, so they can do exactly what the Vikings did to us, and unless we change, we are in serious trouble. Couldn't so. agree more. Couldn't agree more, Peter. Yeah, I'm I, I'm really concerned, and this is a game that um, you know, it's a big game for both for both teams. You know, Rams coming off two disappointing performances. You know, they've been sweeping almost all before them before um, the last two games, and yeah, I'm very concerned. I don't think there's a lot in this game, and I think that you know, it's a game that the Packers have to start fast. They can't go through another quarter and a half before they get you know particularly the offense the passing offense going they've got to start fast what do you think and I'll start with Peter what do you think one of the main offensive issues are this year last year we saw such a dynamic offense that could run that could pass that could I mean seemingly we could call whatever play we wanted and move down the field and now it's I compare it to my old chainsaw it won't start. It won't start. It won't start. And once it gets going, it's good. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think you have to start up front with the offensive line. And I think, you know, to be fair to those guys, given everything that's gone on with the injuries and stuff, they've held up pretty well. But holding up pretty well is not the same as having, you know, particularly the dynamic, strong left side of the line that you would hope to have with Baxiari and, and Jenkins and then, you know, your, your new starting centre, Josh Myers, all of that's gone by the wayside. So I think that I think that led early in the season to the Packers having to keep Robert Tonyan in to block more than he would have previously done, and now he's gone down hurt. So I think it's, you know, almost the one starting injury with Bakhtiari's had a knock-on effect throughout the season. Yeah. And, I, and I, I'm a great believer it starts up front, both offensively and, and defensively. So I think that, you know... And as I say, I think to be fair to the line, it's done exceptionally well to hold up like 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 it has. Um, but I think I think that for me has been the difficulty. I think they had to change the offense early, keeping like I say, keeping Tonyan in to block more than they probably would have liked. And I think it's all gone from there for me. And obviously for me now, obviously with the the toe problem. That just exacerbates everything else with the defensive line. That uh, defensive line, rather, that obviously Rogers has got to get that ball out fast and not having to run away. So, and oh, man, you've got um, trying to get the ball to Adams when he's got uh, Jalen Ramsey on him would probably mean it's quite a good game for your likes of your Tonians and the other lads to step up because they're going to need to probably take a few more um, balls. And the, obviously the other issue is the uh, the running game, which we do so well occasionally and then stop. That, uh, I, I don't know if you guys uh, follow me at all. I think I've mentioned it once or twice. Once twice, yes. This is killing me. This is killing me. And, and you know, Himley uh, from Turkey, he uh, posted some stats the other day and it showed um, the Packers, uh, 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 Dylan has run 109 times. He's averaging 4.3 yards per carry. You compare that to some of the other backs that are featured backs in the league, and they're at they're up at 200. Now, I'm not saying the Packers should be completely 70% run, 30% pass, 
but I do believe that we can amp up the run like 50% more. I think we should be 50-50. Right now, we're kind of at like a 75-25, and we tend to see the Dylan runs for six yards, and then we throw three bom two bombs in a row that are overthrown, and uh, we end up punting. I know a lot of Packer fans will argue with me, and they'll say the run game isn't working, and I fire back with 4.3 yards per carry is a win. It is a win every single day. Anything more than 3.3 yards is a win. Anything less, of course, that's a loss. And, and we're killing them. I, I understand the O-line. It's patchwork. It's this guy. It's that yeah. guy. It's pull this guy over here. Maybe this guy can play this position. It's tough. One of the easier, easier things for an offensive line to do is to run block. Because you line up going, I know I'm going to punch that guy in the mouth. That's what I'm going to do. And when you're pass blocking and you're asking for guys, and we know Rodgers makes his living off of the extended plays. And now we're asking this patchwork offensive line to keep Rodgers clean for four and five and six seconds. And I, I just don't, I mean, we saw it with Kansas city, right. Trying to keep Jordan love clean and Kansas city would bring five, six and seven. And there was nobody, you know, it, it, there was no time whatsoever. I'm a firm believer in, just like you said, uh, Peter, it all starts on the O-line. It all starts on the D-line. And I think that we need to give our O-line a chance to, to punch these guys in the mouth and to, to slow down that pass rush. If we watch that Minnesota game, Dalvin Cook only rushed for, what, 84 yards. But because they consistently went with it, our linebackers, our DBs, they were biting on the play action. Lafleur seems to hand it off once, and then he goes straight to the play action. Then we go five wide. It's like, what? we got to at least establish that we're going to use the run before we start. Yeah, I think, I think that's really important. And I think back with a history hat on to, to Mike Holmgren's philosophy on the run. Yeah. You wanted to run successfully, but, but Holmgren used to think of as much as how many times do I run as, as how many yards I get because so much is set up from the run. And I think, I think what's difficult for us to know is we don't know how many times Rogers, for example, has audibled out of run plays um, to pass plays. I think the other thing is, and this is where it gets difficult having um, such a great quarterback, is that there's a there's almost a tendency to want to throw the ball more because of who you've got at quarterback. Yeah. Um, and and so I, I I think I think they're just struggling to find a to find a balance there. Um, I mean, I agree. I agree with you. I mean, AJ, AJ Dillon, you know, in, in years gone by, if we'd lost an Aaron Jones type, we would be really concerned about the running yeah. game, but, we, but, we, but we're not, you know, with AJ Dillon there. And even Patrick Taylor spelling for three or four or five plays a game, you know, no, pro, no problem whatsoever. So, I, I mean, I, I, I'm with you. I think that it's really important that they get the running game going and that doesn't necessarily mean that AJ Dillon carries 35 times a, a game no. but what I will say is he's the type of back who needs to carry the football consistently there's no point in carrying once you know there's 10 pass plays and then he carries again he's the type of guy that's going to get better and stronger and start to wear out defensive as defenses as the game goes on so you know he has to carry he has to carry consistently for me. And that's what he did at Boston College. And I, and I, and I think that, that that's, that's the way to use him. 
And he's shown he can catch the ball just for those little runs. Those You don't have to go miles, just those little runs. Just keep the defence going, keep possession of the football, work, run the clock down. And that's the way we need to start, I guess, because Rogers is obviously not practising with the team. So we need to find a way to get moving early doors without him having to run around or anything else and just get his mind, get his aim back into the game for me. Yeah, and, and, I, and I think it's really important, you know, that first and second drives of the game, I think, are really important because they set a tone. Yeah. You know, if they come out and they run well in, the, you know, in, those, in that first drive and they move the ball down the field, and even if they end up with just getting a field goal or whatever, but if you've driven 60 yards or whatever, mixing up the run and the pass, I think that sets a real tone. Whereas if you come out, three and out, you punt, the other team come down, maybe maybe score, you get behind, even though it's early in the game, there starts to be a tendency. I've got to catch up. I've got to catch yeah. up. Yeah. You know, so I think I think those first drives are really important. And you know, it's 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 you mentioned Rogers audibling out, and I had questioned that, and then I saw the Kansas City game with Jordan Love, where this game screams they've got a horrible run defense. We've got a rookie quarterback who who was given three days notice that oh by the way you got to go into Arrowhead. <laughs> And this is your first start. And uh, all I thought was, is here we go. This will be the run game. If I was the head coach, we'd be seeing 75, 80% run. And Jordan Love would be Trent Dilfer. He would, okay, we need five yards. He's going to have to make this pass. Instead, we're watching one pass, 50-yard bomb, 30-yard bomb. One run, 30-yard bomb, 40-yard bomb. I, it's It seems to be Lafleur does not want to use the run as much and it's twice as puzzling because he came from Tennessee with Derrick Henry and Derrick Henry in the first quarter, he's not averaging seven yards per carry in the first quarter. He's averaging two or three because the defense is hyped and they're going, but they stick with it. And when they get to the third quarter, now he's averaging four and five. And when they get to the fourth quarter, he's just, he's going on touchdown field. And I think that's what our, the difference between, our team and a lot of other teams is, is LeFleur tries to win it in the first 15 minutes and we need to try and win it in the last 20. Yeah. You know, you let those big boys block. That's what they get paid to do. If we can't lean on COVID toe or broken toe Rogers, we've got Jones over here. That's hurt. We've got this happening. The timing is off. Let's lean on the run game. The run game doesn't need as much timing and rhythm to yeah. get going. Yeah, and it's an interesting thing you, you mentioned earlier. So I remember reading John Madden talking about running the ball early. And he said one of the reasons that he wanted to run the ball early in the game is, is because offensive linemen, pass blocking is passive to offensive yeah. to offensive linemen. Whereas, you know, these are big, strong, tough guys, aggressive. They want to get at it straight away, get them moving forward, running, running the football. And that was, you know, Madden talking about this 20, 30 years ago. He was a great believer in running early. Well, and, and you, lo you look at when Baltimore won both their Super Bowls, even with Flacco, they ran the ball and they played good defense. We've got great defense. Yeah. Our, problem with our, our, our yeah. problem with our defense is, is they're out there for 35 minutes yeah. and they should, they should be out there for 15 to 20 because we're slow with the ball. This, you know, the adjustment game for Lafleur has never been the same. And Aaron Nagler had a great question for Lafleur where he asked if during the game, he asked somebody about the analytics, who's the hot hand, who's playing. And he says, oh, I, I don't really look at that. And you can tell because we have been consistent over his last 
almost three full years now. We come out in the second half and we're we're dead the first series. Yeah. We we go three and out. We yeah. we we try some type of four on one side. What what formation is this? That didn't work. We underthrow that and now we punt. I don't it it's baffling and it's frustrating that you can't see that every time you hand off the ball to Dylan, he's getting six to seven yards. I mean, myself as a former player and as a as a coach, you run it until they make it, until they stop it. You know, we uh, against the Minnesota Vikings, I had been crying the whole game. Put Dylan in the eye, give him a full back and hand it off. You can't hand it from the shotgun and wait for the O line to make that move. You have to do it from the eye where he hits that line full on and we get backed up in our own end zone. We're in a strong eye. This is perfect. Hands it off eight yards. We get back into the eye, hands it off eight yards. We never see it again. Yeah. Yeah, if, well, and it's an interesting thing you mentioned about the shotgun because I, I don't know whether that's a Rogers prefers to play out of the shotgun or whether that's part of the really part of the offense, whether that's a LeFleur preference. I probably don't think it is. I think it's probably Rogers now at this stage in his career prefers to play out the shotgun, but I think that does inhibit the running game. Yeah, you need some momentum, don't you? When you're that size to pound your way straight through. That's exactly it. So, so with the shotgun, there's there's two different kind of uh, aspects of the game. It, it, you're you're a lot less likely to fumble the exchange in the shotgun. Yeah. So it, there's that whole argument of if the set, if you get under the center, you might drop the ball right there. We lose the ball. The second thing is is a lot of the times when you hand off from the shotgun, it's because you're running a guard around or a tackle around, or but the old line is trying to do something to open up that hole. Now, handing off from the shotgun is great when you've got a guy like Aaron Jones and Patrick Taylor and even uh, Hill because they're quick twitch guys. They make one step and they're gone, right? And they can wait a second. Dylan is not that quick twitch guy. Dylan needs to get that ball at full steam because when he goes through the D-line, they can't stop him. And now he's landing on DBs and he's taking out linebackers. That's the whole idea. I do not especially when we get down to the goal line, like that first thing that we do is get into shotgun. I respect the analytics of the fumble and the exchange, but I think it is the dumbest thing in the world to take all day to get all the way down to the one yard line. And the first thing we do is snap the ball five yards away from it. (laughs) But it doesn't make sense to me. Why are we not handing it off? I'll tell you what, look at the Saints. The Saints get on the goal line and they take out their number one quarterback and they bring in the kit that's going to run the quarterback sneak. And everyone and their dog knows the, the Fox guys are on to you. Here comes the quarterback sneak. Even the cheerleaders are yelling, watch for the quarterback sneak. And they get it. And instead we go, no, no, we're going to go five wide. And then shotgun. Yeah. And there's a number of factors that I think go into that. So, so the Packers drafted Josh Myers. Now, Myers played almost exclusively from the shotgun at Ohio yeah. State. So you could, I can partially understand that for a rookie coming in in his first year, but he's he's not played for four or five weeks now. Yeah. So so it should that should no longer be be a, you know be a question or an issue. But yeah, I don't know. I mean, it it would be great to be a fly on the wall or be able to look back in ten years' time and get somebody's book to understand what the, what the what the thinking was. Yeah. And there may, you know, there may be something that's just not apparent, but I, 
it's not apparent. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, um, it, it's that old co coaching conundrum, right? I mean, it, you call the right play, you're the hero. You call the wrong play and you're the, you're the goal. You're the, you know, you're, you're terrible. What are you doing? Why didn't you run it on fourth down? Why didn't you kick the field goal? It, people are always going to second guess it. I mean, I think I, I think you touched on something right near the beginning, and, and this is kind of the sad, not the probably the right word, but I'll, but I use it. The saddest the saddest thing about this season is, you know, the offense has been strong for for the last couple of years, and the defense, as we know, has been let's just say it struggled somewhat. Yeah. So we finally get the def a top ten, top five defense. And the offense now struggles. I mean, yeah. it's it's sounding more and more like the 1980s by the minute as I just, as yeah. I described it. hundred percent, hundred percent. One side of the ball would show up, and the other two special teams and defense just never got off the bus. Or the offense would go out and crap the bed on the first series. But don't worry, the offense showed up. The defense showed up today, and you're going, why can we not get everyone off the bus at the same time? If we could ever just put it together, and I think we've been saying that now with Rogers since 2011, if yeah. we could just put together a cohesive game, and I, I, I think a lot of it has to do with the play calling. Just, just look at the pieces on the board that we've got to play with on offense. What right. are we doing? There's so I mean, many ways we can hurt people. For years now, people have been saying, "How come Lafleur isn't mentioned in the Coach of the Year?" Exactly. He took this team. He took this team that didn't, you know, it didn't make the playoffs the last year with McCarthy, and then we go thirteen and three NFC Championship game, thirteen and three NFC Championship game, and he's not mentioned at all. And now I start to see the cracks in the armor, the chinks in the armor, yeah. where you go, wait a second, he's got a tendency that he will not stay away from, no. and that that tendency is, is I'm going to run the ball 25% of the time, and I'm going to make Aaron Rodgers make all the hero ball plays, and I get you. Aaron Rodgers is one of the greatest players on the field right now. One of the greatest quarterbacks that has ever played the game. I'm with you. But if we remember when Favre was carrying us for all those years and we were like, if we could just get a run game, if we could just get a run game, and then we get him on green. And the first thing Favre was like, no, we're going to hand this ball off to this guy 25, 30 times a day. Right. I'll make the ones I have to make. And, and I think that's what's, what's kind of a chink in our armor is that we've still got that mentality of is don't worry, Rogers will fit it in those tight windows. He'll get hot. He'll get going and, and, and we'll be able to pull it out. And you know what? His, his numbers aren't there this year. No. He, he, he's not performing his usual Rogers standard, you know, and, and I, I don't, I, I think OTAs matter. I think practices matter. And I think a lot of this off season follies, you know, just like, some guy said the other day, being an elite quarterback doesn't make you an elite person. And maybe there's a little, who knows? Who knows? I'm not in the locker room. I just get to speculate from the outside here up in Canada and, you know, spin a web. Um, Jones, is Jones coming back this week, guys? Well, I know. That's the, week, face, so. that's the face I make too, Peter. I go, oh, no. <laughs> Is he coming back, Andy? What do you think? He's listed as questionable. I think he'll use him for a, a, a little bit. I'm sure he'll, he'll see the field for a little while, maybe. But you can, you've got to be careful with a man, haven't you? You can't you can't risk it too much. It's very early. If he's come back already, he's done really, really well. And 
we have got AJ Dillon, so do we really, really need to rush the guy back? I would probably say not, personally, but who knows? Peter, what do you think? I would tend to agree with Andy on that. I mean, I think having the bye week next week plays into this, and, and my, my gut feel is that, I mean, you wouldn't want to risk anybody anyway, but with the bye week coming up, my gut feel is, you know, unless they're 100% certain, which I'm sure they can't be because he's still listed as questionable, that then I suspect he's not going to play. I, I agree with you, fellas. I think that, uh, you know, we're sitting at eight and three and eight and three is a pretty good season. I mean, here we are. Here we are as Packer fans. This is how elite t- in title town is, right? Is, is we're like that woman who's got a full ham under the arm and we're yelling, where's the bread? How come there's no bread? Like eight and three is fantastic. And we can, I don't want to say we, we purposely can lose or anything like that. I want to win every single game. But if we were to drop a game against the Rams, we drop a game against the Rams. We move on to the bye week at eight and four. We've got uh, basically two bye weeks with the Bears coming up after that. And then our gauntlet is over. We're done doing all the best teams in the league with the exception of maybe Baltimore where uh, Lamar Jackson could potentially run for a thousand yards against us. Other than that, we're playing teams that aren't going to make the playoffs. So I had us at the beginning of the year at 12 and five. And the only way that you get in 12 and five is by losing five. And I think this is one of them here. The Rams are going to be looking for the payback from the NFC, uh, NFC game there, the playoff game. At the same time, you've got Lafleur, who's never lost back-to-back games. You've got a defense who is chomping at the bit to show that they're not what they were against Minnesota. Unfortunately, I think this is one think, that maybe yeah, we you, drop. You I can look maybe. at history, but history means nothing. You've got to look at the facts in front of us. And Mr. Donald's going to be back. We've got that O-line. Von Miller. Von Miller's there. OBJ. There is he. So yeah. it's going to be a really, really tough, tough call right from the word go. You've got Mr. Cup, obviously. Now, who's going to mark Mr. Cup? Can Stokes do it, or is it going to be Stokes and Douglas and Sullivan? You know, I think OBJ has lost a step personally. I think OBJ can be covered one on one, if not maybe a little over the top help. Uh, We're probably going to run the same cover two shell, make them run that ball, right? Dare them to run that ball. This is Matt Stafford, but for years I've been saying if you gave Matt Stafford just a couple of key players, the Packers would be in trouble in this division because Stafford mm-hmm. can sling that ball. Now the Rams have lost, is it two now? Two in a row? Yeah, lost two. They've lost two in a row. Tough to say they're going to lose three in a row. Tough to say that. Mm. Who, uh, so who do you think is going to cover cup? You think it's going to be uh Peter, who do you think? Do you think it's going to be Stokes one-on-one with cup? Do you think it's going to be a combination? Um. I don't know, um, and, and this is why I'm, be, I'm beginning to worry. Not on the basis of anything other than this past past week, when Cousins threw for three hundred and whatever yards, and um, but eventually the injuries on defense catch up with the Packers, and if they can't get pressure up front. Because, again, I believe it all starts up front. But if they can't get the pressure up front, and, and, and this is the concern to me with, with all the injuries they've got, C. Smith being out, Whitney Merciless now gone, um, Rashan Gary 
who knows, questionable. Even if he plays, is he going to be the player he was three weeks ago? Who who knows? And so I think that not being able to get that pressure up front, and let's hope that's not the case, but if they can't, that just exposes whoever covers whoever. So I agree with you. I think they're going to, going to come out and cover two, predominantly cover two, force them to try and run the ball. Um, you know, King is doubtful, I think, or questionable again. He probably won't play, I suspect. With, with Alexander out, I, I think they're going to end up double covering Cup as much as they can and single covering whoever's on the other side, um, Deshaun Jackson or OBJ or whoever, whoever that is. Um, and I wouldn't have a problem, you know, if, if you said I'm going to match up Brazil Douglas on one of those guys, given the job that he's done yeah. this season, surprisingly yeah. excellent job that, that, that he's done. Um, and let the chips fall where they may, but I would, I would, you know, I would, I definitely would be trying to force them to run rather than pass. Oh, 100%. That's, but that seems to be the whole idea of all of the NFL defenses is now they, they want the cover two and they're, they, they want you to run. Yeah. And, you know, and, and, and that goes back to Lafleur where you go, well, we have a run game. Make them regret it. Right. Why are we not, why don't we have 15, 16 different runs? You know, and, and we just keep pounding the rock until they start bringing an extra guy into the box and then we go over the top. But I digress because I, I can complain all day long. No, I don't. And you do. Yeah, mostly. <laughs> and it, it may be, and, and I don't know because I haven't gone and looked back closely enough at the types of running plays that they've called, but it may be that in an ideal world, the offense is set up for that outside zone running play, which requires more of a Jones type to run to run that play. Because we saw a couple of times last week, they tried to run Dylan to the outside. And that's just, that to me is just a no-no. You know, you're going to be running AJ Dylan through the A yeah. gap or the B gap. Yeah. You know, that's... 100%. 100%. And, and it may be that's part of the question mark that's still in Lafleur's head around, around Dylan is that does my offense become... I don't want to say one-dimensional, but it becomes less diverse because I've got Dylan rather than Jones, and therefore I'm going to call less less of the plays that feature Dylan. I don't, I don't, I don't know. So this is Jeremy from California. You're listening to Matt and Bruce. This is Packers Without Borders. Go Pack, go! You know, if you like the Packers Without Borders with uh, me, Matt. And of course, my good buddy, Bruce in El Paso and uh, the stuff that we, the content that we do and some of the jokes and hilarious stuff, do us a favor, hit that like button, hit that retweet button, hit that subscribe button. Don't forget, you can go on to Anchor. There's a uh, subscription. You could also uh, uh, help pay to sponsor, keep the show going. You can do iTunes. You can do Spotify. We're on every platform you can possibly imagine but really itunes spotify anchor if you guys can go in there and subscribe retweet help us out that would be fantastic you can follow matt at larson matt too on twitter and you can follow me at bruce edmonds on twitter as well we love you guys really appreciate the support peace go pack go
This is Kimmy from San Diego, and you're listening to Packers Without Borders. The converse to that, because I'm now talking myself out of that, is we've actually seen Dylan line up wide. So he's been prepared to line Dylan out in the slot. He's called the what have you, but I don't know. I'm, I'm talking myself rounding circles a little bit. On you know what? Go ahead. Go ahead. Sometimes it does feel like we're trying to use Dylan in the way we lose Jones when we should be using Dylan. Like Dylan, because Dylan's Dylan, he's not Jones. Thank you. That's almost exactly what I was about to say. The other, the other thing I was going to say is, is do you think Lafleur is an NFL coach? Oh, it's, oh. it's it's kind of a trick question, really, because as an NFL coach, you would be thinking to yourself, "Here's my playbook. My playbook isn't one page. It isn't two pages. I can tell you that." My playbook, and this was in uh, university level in, 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 in Canada, my playbook was like 94 pages, right? And that's, that's just a university. And I played safety. I had 94 pages. So why wouldn't Lafleur sit down at the beginning of the year? He's got Jones and I got Dylan. And I know I'm going to get up against those games in the winter where the weather is bad and the field is bad, just like Tennessee, like we did to them last year, where we're going to punch, punch, punch Dylan and overuse him and just run, run, run and lean on Dylan. Why are, where's those plays? So, so my, my almost rhetorical question, see, I wonder sometimes, and I, you know, I don't, I don't know, but, but you, whether Nathaniel Hackett and Lafleur are so much on the same page that sometimes you need somebody that thinks slightly differently. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so they almost agree with each other all the time. And I don't know that that's the case. Yeah. You know, and, 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 you know, there's obviously advantages and disadvantages to that. And, and Hackett's done a fantastic job and the two of them work very well together. Sometimes you just need a different voice in there, don't you? Somebody that sees something differently. Um, and, and I don't know that that's the issue, but just something th to throw out there. You know, and you and you bring that up, and that's that's a hundred percent true. There are hundreds of times in my life, ex especially when I own my own business, where I'm trying to solve a problem, and I can't solve that problem, and I bring somebody else in who hasn't been part of the problem, has nothing to do with the problem, is just completely unassociated with it. And I say, "Look at this. How do I?" And suddenly they go, "Have you tried doing this? Have you tried flipping?" And it's the easiest, simplest solution, but I'd been staring at it for weeks. And my mind could not crack it. And you bring that up, Peter, and I, I completely agree with you. You need one other person in the room going, wait a second, guys. What if we did this? He may not be right all the time, but every now and then when you're struggling to get that offense going, maybe, maybe, <laughs> you know, we try something a little out of the ordinary, like run the ball. <laughs> a little shot there at the end, a little shot there at the end. And I think the real difficulty with these things always is you, you don't know by doing X, do I start to take something else away? And, and ultimately, somebody can always turn around and point to the record and say, 13 and 3, 13 and 3, 8 and 3, there's your answer. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. What, what, so so it's, a really, it's, a really, it's a really difficult one. I, I, it's just puzzling, isn't it? I th to me, it's puzzling that you can go from being the, the top three offense for the last two years to, to being 
in the bottom third of offense all of us all of a sudden that's the puzzling oh and just terrible terrible in the red zone too yeah you know just terrible it's 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 a uh, mind boggling <laughs> it is strange though because the first the first year the third the first year we won games and won games and won games but i wasn't convinced we just kept rolling and winning games but i'm still suspicious about the team Last year was better, and then this year we, we have regressed a little bit. I know we've had the injuries and everything else, but again, I do. I mean, the, the thing about Lafleur not being in the conversation about coach of the year, as you say, you, you can't start to see. Well, the the people at the top here, they they can see that. I guess that it, it, are we winning because of all the other places, all the other people we've got in place, and he's not actually helping that much, or. Is it Rogers doing what he did for yeah. Mike McCarthy the last couple of years of his yeah. career, right? Is he is he really clearly, you know, covering up those mistakes? I don't know. I mean, I, you know, the, the other way of looking at it is, is, is there's coaches and there's coaches. And some, some coaches are really good game day coaches, able to adjust during the game, call the right plays. And there's other coaches that do a fantastic job. And part of Part of that is by surrounding themselves with good people so that, you know, there's a lot of the hard work's done, done during the week. You're getting those diverse ideas, but they may not be quite as good on game day. That doesn't make them worse overall coaches. It just makes them different. Um, and it might be a case of that. You know, it might be that the Fleur's fantastic from Sunday to Saturday, but isn't one of the top guys on game day. I don't know. I'm not trying to suggest that that's the case. I don't. I. I. I, I don't know. It's just that there's. I think there's different styles, and, and all we actually see is what happens in those three hours on a Sunday. At the end of the day, he's done a. He has done a great job because he he could have come in and he could have fallen out with Rogers and he could have all imploded and he's kept the ball rolling. He's moved us forward, so you can't criticise him too much. But it's just these little tweaks that you think make the difference, and we beat ourselves against the Vikings. We really did, in my opinion. And we were so close to winning at the end of the day. One more possession, running the ball that little bit longer, those two or three minutes could have made such an enormous difference. Um, obviously, the, the I mean, Savage, I don't know what Savage must have felt like walking in at the end of that game. My word. Again, I was, when he, when he got the ball a second time round, I'm like, yes, that's it. Come on, baby, we've won. And, and, I, and I think, flag, and you yeah, think, I think you're well, right. And I, and I think winning games tends to cover over stuff, doesn't it? You know, if, yeah. if, if Savage had made that interception, if, if Crosby had kicked that field goal, if Crosby had kicked the two field goals against Kansas City, whatever, whatever it might be, and all, and, all, and all of a sudden you're 10 and one rather than eight and three and you're not coming off a loss and, and whatever else, even though the running game might still be struggling. You tend not to concentrate on, on, on that stuff. So I don't know. You know, a couple of different stats come to mind when I look at this Packers team and I think about our chances about going to the Super Bowl. 87% of the time, the league MVP doesn't go to the Super Bowl. 87% of the time. That tells me you don't need him to win. Yeah. Right. And then you take a look at our team. Name another team that has the best quarterback, the best wide receiver, the best left tackle, the best left guard, one of the best running back duels in the league, arguably, 
Then you turn around to the defense and you go, we've got one of the best defensive nose tackles in Kenny Clark. We've got some of the best edge rushers. Look at Darius Smith's numbers are not something to just sniff at. His numbers are, are through the roof. And then on the yeah. secondary, we've got probably the best safety duo plus Jair and Stokes. I mean, I'm talking about 11, 12 guys that make the pull. Name another team where they got 11, 12 guys that are making the Pro Bowl. And how are we struggling? Yeah. Is it because there's too much stardom? Is it because Devontae has to have eight catches a game? Is it because Rodgers has to throw 35 times? Is it because, is that what's hindering us? So, I mean, I think it's a really, interest, really interesting question. And, and, and I think that, I think as fans, we have a tendency to, you concentrate on your own guys because that's the team that you watch 16 games, 17 games a season. Um, so you tend to think that, you know, when your guy's coming up for free agency, and I, let's take David Bakhtiari, and I'm just using him as an example, yeah. just yeah. as an example, we all wanted to pay him the big money to keep it. Well, we can't lose Bakhtiari. He's the best left tackle in the league. Absolutely yeah. understand that argument. And, and I'm not coming up with the counter argument other than, is that always the right thing to do? Right. So, so for, for what I'm paying David Bakhtiari, I could be paying two of a different position. And again, I'm not, I'm just using Bakhtiari yeah. as an example. Oh, hey, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, I, if we had a normal quarterback that was making seven, eight million dollars a year and not 33, we could probably have some really good players with that extra 30 million dollars. Right. And so I think it's important that we as fans, as, as longtime followers of, of any NFL team, understand that, that there's more than one way to win a Super Bowl. Yeah. yeah. You, you've already mentioned Trent Dilfer and you can come up with Joe Flacco and Brad Johnson and Nick Foles more recently and Eli oh, Manning. Right. Two of them. Eli Manning won two, you know, and, and all of those guys that have won Super Bowls, the Mark Rippons and the Doug Williams and those guys that won with the Washington football team, all the good quarterbacks, but not Hall of Fame quarterbacks. So you don't have to have that Hall of Fame quarterback to win a Super Bowl. And, and that's been Is proven. it easier? Is it easier? Sure it sure it is. It easier. might be, but 87% of the time. He doesn't make it. Right. Uh, you know, and, and, and conversely, you can then look at all of those Hall of Fame quarterbacks, the Jim Kellys, the Dan Marinos, the Warren Moons. We can name those guys, and there's lots of them that never won a Super Bowl. I made it, yeah. Um, yeah. So I think that I think it's a really valid question. And I, and I think that as, as fans, you sometimes just have to try and take a step back and understand that if I'm, if I'm not spending the money there, I can spend it over here. So, you know, we might have a perceived, you know, weakness at defensive line for a number of years, right? Kenny Clark, excellent. But, you know, we, maybe we've needed some help there. But we've not been able to spend money there because we've got Rodgers or Adams or Jones or Bakhtiari or Kenny Clark or whoever it might be that we've spent money on. And that's not a criticism. That's just understanding that when I go to a restaurant and I pick up the menu, I've only got 50 bucks in my pocket. And if I spend 45 of it on a steak, you know, I've got not, not a lot left for, the, for, my, for my veg, have I? Yeah. And that's, yeah. And that's the way it works. Well, and that's, that's, uh, that's 100% true, right? It, it, we have to remember that if we take something off the plate, some guy that's making $33, $35 million, that money's not going to sit in the bank. We're going to turn around and we're going to shore up a position or we're going to grab a couple extra players. The one 
I mean, I've got many knocks on Rogers now after this whole statement with COVID and everything. I don't want to even get into that. But one of the knocks that I have with Rogers is, is, you know, he stands there going, it's not about the money. Well, you know what, Rogers, why aren't you taking less? <laughs> if you took less, if you took half, half of what yeah. you're taking right now with that 15, 18 million dollars, we could have got OBJ. We could have got Gilmore. We could have got those guys because they were holding out for a little bit more money. We could have grabbed those players. And I think back to when Favre was, was pressing the GM, uh, you know, take, take Moss's money out of my salary. I want Moss. And here we go. We've got Rogers going, bring back this guy, bring back that guy. Well, how do we pay for them? He's like, well, you'll figure it out. Well, we, yeah. we know how we're going to pay for them, Rogers. Yeah. We know. And then he goes, well, I want a stack team like Brady. Well, Brady's making $4 million a year. Can you, can you take $29 million less? And we'll grab with $29 million. Trust me. <laughs> You'll have nothing but Hall of Famers to throw at with $29 million. But that doesn't move, right? I think we're kind of in that, we're in that kind of like in a stuck state where something's got to give. We're either we lose a player. I mean, and we're coming right up to, and this this is great because this brings us into another. We're 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 going into another segment here. We got Jair and Adams contract coming up. Mm. The bubble is about to burst. Somebody's somebody's not going to be able to stay. And I know, oh well, we can hide money and this and that. Listen, we are like fifty million bucks in the hole right now, and they ain't going to lift. They ain't going to give us fifty more million dollars on our salary cap. Right. And even if we get 50 more million dollars, that still doesn't exchange the fact that we have to sign Adams and sign Jair. Oh, well, we can renegotiate everybody's contract down the line. Somebody's yeah. somebody's got to go. Yeah. Somebody's got to go. Who who's it going to be? Is it Jair that Packers have consistently drafted in the first and second round corners, trying to get that corner, trying to get that shutdown corner? And we always grab wide receivers later in the game. Yeah. Or is it Adams? Because we finally got that wide receiver. Andy, Jair or Adams? Oh my word. Right? <laughs> but you're not wrong with your choice. Yeah. You know, you're not wrong. The problem is is that one side of the ball is really going to struggle. <sighs> got to go with defense. <laughs> I've got if, if you're pushing me, yeah. got to go with defense. Yeah, yeah. Um, our other, when we've lost Adams, obviously we have struggled, but we will, somebody's going to catch the ball. Somebody's going to make the runs. I mean, obviously, one of the good things about the end of last game was seeing EQ getting the ball and seeing some action and seeing something start to start to go there. These, these kids, if you throw them the ball, they're going to start producing, I think. But... That's just a horrible choice, man. Oh. <laughs> Peter, Jair, Adams. Well, I think it's I think it's I think it's Jair if you can do that deal, and I think it's yeah as you both kind of alluded to, corners are a lot more difficult to find, um, and you only have to look at our recent history to know that. But but they but they are. Yeah. You know, I think it's a lot more difficult for a corner coming from college to project into the into the NFL. I mean, we even see we see lots of corners taken high in the draft that don't that don't make it. So I think it's a lot. When you find one, I think you have to do everything you can to to keep them. And I and I think in a league that's 
based around the passing game as much as it is finding guys that can stop the pass, i.e. either rush the pass or stop the pass at the back end, I think have to be um, the predominant choice. And that's not to say I don't love Devontae Adams, because I do, yeah. because you don't find the number one receiver in the league very often, but I think you're more likely to get a serviceable replacement at wide receiver than you are at corner. You might find one at corner, but I, but I think you've got less chance of doing it. Rodgers is 7-0 and when Adams isn't in the lineup. <laughs> I mean, and for myself as a fan, I like it when Rodgers turns his head away from Adams every now and then. That's, you know, we've got guys like Lazar. And, and, and if we watch a few of the first games, Lazar was wide open down the middle, but he was staring down Adams. We had, uh, uh, you know, Tanyan running a seam, a seam wide open. He's staring down Adams. We've got Cobb over here who's open yet. He's staring down Adams. Soon as Adams comes out of the lineup, Rodgers gets through his progressions a little bit quicker, and we see guys like Lazar and EQ get the ball three or four more times. And that's and, yet, and that's the thing that worries me about the upcoming game, is that is he going to still be trying to get the ball to Adams when he's got such a great man marking him and there's other people who could be open? And it's such a great point. You know, I, I, I look back to the Favre days and, and, and when the Packers had Sterling Sharp. And, you know, there's no bigger fan of Sterling Sharp than, oh, yeah. than, than, than I am. You know, maybe uh, me. Um, <laughs> um, but but what it did lead certainly in in Barb's first two three years with the Packers was that Sharp was his number one target, his number two target, his number three yeah. target. And what's what's interesting is that yeah, I know, a whole, I know a whole bunch of other stuff happened and Reggie came in and, and whatever else, but the Packers were still nine and seven in those three years with Sterling Sharp. Yeah. When Sharp was unfortunately injured and Favre had to look elsewhere, all of a sudden Brooks came through, Freeman came through, Chimura started catching passes, et cetera, et cetera. So he had to look elsewhere. And, and I think there's definitely something in that. I think it's a really good point. So anyway... Special teams. We need to That's exactly that. Perfect. Perfect, Andy. I was just about to bring this is you're in, man. You're in. Bruce who? Bruce who? <laughs> Special teams. Goodness, fellas. I think after that Kansas City game, that was the time to move on from Mo, to fire Mo, to put in anybody. And really, I've been saying it from the beginning. If we could just get the the change of possession. I don't need to see a return for a touchdown. I would love to see it. I don't need to. I just want the clean change of possession, please and thank you. And poor, poor Crosby, this looks like 2012 where Crosby is struggling. He doesn't seem to be able to get consistent. He, 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 honestly, he looks like me on the golf course, you know, playing military golf, left, right, left, right. Is this what, the year that video there is kicking the ball into the, uh, the bell? Three balls into Dal, ding, ding, ding. That was 2012, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, wasn't it? Yeah. What so, do, do we think this is? I myself, I think this is Crosby's last hurrah. I, agree. I think this is Crosby and Rogers' last hurrah with the Green Bay Packers. I think Crosby has served us well. He is a Hall of Fame kicker. He should be put not only in the ring of fame with the Packers, but into the Hall of Fame as one of the best kickers to ever play in the NFL. Sadly, I think it's time. I have to agree. It's probably because I've got him in my fantasy league. 
So I do feel somewhat uh, responsible, but the fact is, yeah, there's just been so many misses now. Is it eight? It's nine. Nine, nine misses. No, yeah, sorry, nine. But you and last year, last year he kicked 13 field goals total. Yeah. This year he's missed nine. Yeah. You know, it's 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 such a dramatic turnaround. And I understand you go, well, there's the offensive line. Well, okay. There's uh, we got a new holder now in Borges. Okay, may, maybe let's take a couple of those off for the old line. Let's take a couple of those off for the, the snapper. Now we got a new snapper. Let's take a couple of those off for the holder. But we're still staring down the barrel of uh, you know, what used to be when it was Mason Crosby time, I'd go get a beer. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and I'd be like, this absolutely. is in. I don't even need to see it. 55 yards, yeah, he's got it. Now, on the extra point, <laughs> you know. What do you think, Peter? Well, Time I, to move I, on from Mo? Well, I, I think Crosby's gone after this year as much for a salary, salary cap reasons as, as anything else. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, they'll save 4.7 million, that kind of number, if, if he's cut after this season. So I think, you know, like you, he's been a fantastic kicker for many, many years. Yeah. He um, had one bad year, I think it was 2012. Um, but you know, other than that, it's been it's been fantastic. You know, certainly one of the best kickers in Packers history, up there alongside Ryan Longwell and and I guess Chris Jackie in his day. Um, but I think they move on. The, the the interesting question for me about special teams, and I don't know the answer, and I just I keep going around this round in my head. It doesn't seem to matter who the coach is. So they've got Drayton this year, and we've had Ron Zook and numerous names that I've long since forgotten. And the special teams doesn't seem to get any better, whoever's coaching the special team. So I, I don't know whether there's something in there. There may be something going back to the cap issue in that, you know, you're spending a lot of money for your top-level players. Does that mean that's causing you an issue at, you know, number 50 in the roster, 51 in the, those guys that are playing special? I don't know. You know I don't know whether that's... I a, Absolutely brilliant. Absolutely brilliant, Peter. That's exactly what I was going to mention was, is there such a talent gap because you've got these guys making tens of millions of dollars a year and then you drop down to the guy making league minimum that came off the practice squad. Now, all of a sudden, he's running gunner on special teams. Is there such a, you look at the Patriots and they tend to spend in the middle. And so those guys all the way down the line are all kind of like mid-range players. And so their yeah. special teams are a little better. Their this is a little better. Yeah, and 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 is you know is there a policy again? I you know I need to go back and look at this. But when you're drafting guys in the fifth, sixth, seventh round, are we looking? Let's say we're taking a wide receiver in round five or round six. Are we looking at him as the fifth wide receiver, or are we looking at him as a as a really good special teams guy that can be your fifth or sixth wide receiver? I'm not quite sure what the philosophy there is, and. And probably on some teams, when they get to the seventh round or sixth or seventh round and they're looking at an inside linebacker, they're looking as much about how he plays special teams as him being depth at inside line. You know, it's almost a bonus if he ever plays yeah. at inside linebacker. I don't know. I don't know. Andy? Get a good punt returner, though. My God, it can make <laughs> such a massive difference to the rest of the team, can't you? If you can get somebody who can get that yardage or get the occasional... Touchdown it, from it, it's, it's, it's almost as it's almost as if it's almost as if during the return 
we get more than 12 yards and it's like, here comes the flag. Here comes the flag. Here comes the flag. Who, who blocked who in the back? Who grabbed who by the face? And they're always stunned. That's the best. As football players, we are, we are just, uh, just stupid. Because I've only played in a few games where there was instant replay up on the board. And I mugged this one kid going down the sidelines. I mean, I basically, I, I was covering him and I did everything completely illegal. If you were to look at pass interference, defensive pass interference on Wikipedia, it should be a video of me just mugging this kid down the field. And at the end of the play, the ref throws the flag. And the first thing I do is, what the hell? What do you mean? What are you talking about? What? What, me? Uh, me? Everyone was on me? What are you talking about? And then you look up in the replay and you're like, oh, God, oh, yes. <laughs> Terrible. And you see some of these kids and they block the guy dead in the back. You can see the guys. The, you see the name. He's hit them in the name for crying out loud. And then they go, me? Who? I think that, yeah, I mean, the, I mean, the thing that I really struggle with is, is so you've got Mason struggles at field goals. Left, right, left, right. And then you've got, you know, we've got special teams plays where there's only 10 guys out on the field. For oh. God's sake. And then there's 12 guys out on the field. Another oh, Somebody yeah. lines up offside on a kickoff. And yeah. it's like, yeah. It, it, yeah, it's it's not even as though it's the same thing that you could at least try and fix yeah. one thing. It's, it, 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 it's, you know, it just seems to be a different thing every special teams play. Which then starts to bring into the, this has to be a coaching issue. Because yeah. if it was one guy who was consistently giving you an issue, you take that one guy out, you bring up another practice player, and the, and the issue's solved. But now you're watching a consistent issue, issue. I mean, now you're surprised when we just – we fair catch it, and there's no flag, and there's no issue. You just – seriously? Are we, are we really just going to yeah. take the ball there? We're okay? Right? You have to start looking over at Mo. And when you look at the guy who was the assistant for our special teams for the last few years where they've done nothing but struggle and we hire that guy, I mean, what do you expect? Right. That's, oh, yeah, I don't, I just, I just, I just don't know. I just, my struggle is it doesn't seem to matter who they hire it, that the, the difficulty still seems to be there. And I don't know what that says. I'm not bright. Well, I'm not bright enough to, to understand what that's telling me. This was the year. Like we were going to go all in, wasn't it? We'll get Cobb, we'll get everybody, we'll go for it. But we'll not mess with special teams. We'll just let them do their own thing. Come on. Well, and Lafleur said he was going to be overseeing it, and it was an emphasis. And he also emphasized, I mean, I'm glad Joe Bur Barry's working out. Because the yeah. first game or two, I was like, Lafleur, you picked this guy. <laughs> we had the other names out there. We could have spent a little money, yeah. maybe brought in a Wade Phillips, or maybe brought in somebody you know, uh, who, who is a proven uh, a great defensive coordinator and that can utilize our weapons. And Joe Barry, I mean, he's bailing, he's making Lafleur look, you know, like a genius every week. But yeah. now we're looking over at Mo, who is another Lafleur pick and who Lafleur says he's going to oversee. And, yeah. and it's just been terrible. It's just been so, terrible. It's even been worse than last year. So, so, so if we were blowing teams, so, so say the offense was in the top five in the league and the defense is, is in the top five. If we were blowing teams out, even though the special teams errors, mistakes, issues existed, would we, would we be concentrating on those if we were winning games 45, seven? Well, of course not. 
It didn't matter last year, <laughs> right? It didn't matter last year. Like I said, Crosby kicked 13 field goals in total, which tells you that we did nothing but score touchdowns, right? I mean, uh, our punter last year, and, and, and you know, I love Bajorquez, Bajorquez is a, is a, he's a freaking rocket launcher back there. This guy's a machine. But, you know, our punter last year, he didn't get too much action either. You know, we, we kept moving the ball downfield, moving the ball downfield. So, I mean, this is great. This is, this is exactly when you see what type of team you have is when one player goes down, how do you rise? And we, we see that our defense is, is stacked because we've had pro bowler after pro bowler after pro bowler drop off the face of the earth and the defense still performs at a high level. You know, what have we got right now? 11 guys on IR. I mean, and like seven or eight of those are from former pro bowlers. So, you know, the, the team is fairly stacked and we can compensate. But as soon as you, you know, you, you take a look at specific areas, you start to see the, the chinks in the armor. You start to see that this is where we might, you know, be able to take advantage a little bit. And, you know, going back to Ryan Longwell, he became a Viking. I can't talk about him anymore. <laughs> <laughs> i love ryan longwell and then when i heard when he signed with the vikings i was like don't don't do it ryan change your mind <laughs> the, the lions could use you okay uh what is we're kind of we're just a little past midway point here of this uh, season here what is the best part about this season the one surprise or golden nugget you would take from this season, you know, every year I always think to myself, oh, gosh, that was fantastic. We had, of course, the, the, the Favre game with his dad when he passed away. There was another game there where Bubba Franks caught three touchdowns in one game. Like there's certain moments of seasons that you will remember. What would be that moment this year? I'm going to go with uh, Devondre Campbell. I'm going to go with Devondre Campbell and the defense playing vicious i mean kenny clark has just been incredible but that this defense this year has been this will be a defense that I, i'll remember for years andy yeah well i've got to go along with that really i did come into this season absolutely so excited about the offense and what we could do and it's just not quite sparked into life really so yeah you look at the defense and you see them working so hard together I and mean, Chris Barnes coming from nowhere and everybody else. And yeah, you've got to go with the defense. You've got to just enjoy that. I suppose just, it's been so long where we've had a, a game and we've had another game and the defense think, yeah, we've cracked it. We're, we're cracking on it. And we know what we're doing. And then they'll let you down. And then yeah. you have another little spell where you think, yeah, they're all right. And then they'll let you down. But we've just kept going, kept going, kept going. And to lose so many players and to still keep it rolling and it's next man up, off we go again, carrying on. It's been great to see that, but yeah, this isn't quite the season I've expected so far, but who knows what can happen, I suppose. Peter? Yeah, I mean, I think you've both stolen my thunder with Devondre Campbell. I think that there was a realisation in about week three, I can't remember exactly, um, that this guy can play. And just from that point onwards, it's been different to anything that we've seen in Green Bay for, for, quite, for quite some time. And I think that having him there has enabled a bunch of other stuff to happen on, on defence. And Andy picked up on the other, which I think is 
an overwhelming point about the number of injuries they've had across the team, but on defence in particular, and to be able to slot Razul Douglas in. And, um, you know, even Henry Black's contributed. And and even guys that in the Chandon past... Sullivan. Right, Chand, absolutely, Chandon Sullivan. And, and even, you know, Dean Lowry up front has surprised me this year. Lancaster. You know, <laughs> yeah, and, 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 and I think that has to say a lot about the, the defensive coaching staff. And I don't know whether that's Joe Barry, I don't know whether that's Jerry Gray, Mike Smith, whoever it is, all of them combined. I think, I think that for me is probably the overwhelming thing. I did want to mention AJ Dillon on offense, and in particular his pass catching, which Andy mentioned earlier. Um, I, I just think that he's shown himself to be an exceptional running back. Um, being able to to not just run, but you know, catch the ball coming out of the backfield, which you have to do in today's NFL. It was a knock on him coming out of college, not my knock. I tried to emphasise the point that lack of opportunity in college doesn't mean that he can't do it. Uh, you know, and he's absolutely shown shown that he can. And I, and I think that having talked about how down we are on the running game, I think the running game is going to get stronger and stronger and stronger as the, as the season goes on, as the weather, as the weather gets worse. Um, so yeah, that's about three things to answer your one question. There. <laughs> well, that works out great. You know, uh, you brought up a, a tweet uh, the last time the Packers were eight and three and we had lost <laughs> to the Vikings and then the bounce back game, was against the Rams. Are you feeling that confident this weekend? And 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 what's your score prediction? <laughs> I'm not feeling as confident as I was in 1996. Yeah. Even though even though the you know the Packers have gone through were going through an injury crisis at that stage of the season. Um, I'm I think this is a I think this is a really good Packers football team that has the capability of going to the Super Bowl. However, having said that, I think there's two other, two or three other teams in the NFC that also have the capability of going to the Super Bowl, and the Rams are one of them. Yeah. And yeah. uh, we're almost at the point where we've got four or five teams now in the NFC that have almost broken away from the pack. Yeah. The, not the Packers, from the from the, from yeah. the rest of yeah. the from the rest from no, the rest yeah. of the Yeah, yeah. Arizona, the right? Yeah, and yeah. and you, you're almost at this point now with six regular season games to go. We're in, we're almost in a six game season or an eight game season with the playoffs where whichever team gets hot is going to go, is going to go all the way. And it could almost be any of those teams. Cause I think they're all capable of, of going to the Super Bowl. But that's a long way round of saying, I think this is an extremely, extremely tough game for the Packers on Sunday, but I think they're going to pull it out. I think the I think they will get the running game going. It might not be a 150-yard rushing performance, but I think it will be enough rushes in terms of quantity and quality to pull this game out. And I, and I think the Packers are going to win it by about a field goal. 31-28. Yes. There you go. 31-28, Andy. Exactly the same. It's going to be very, very tight. It's going to, def the defence can make such an enormous difference here. I don't think it's going to be a massive score. It's going to be close. We're going to be sweating and panicking and chewing our nails. I'm going to go 24-21 to the Packers. Okay, wow. You know, 
even when we're faced in adversity, I'm always like this, this would be a great game to win. You know, this would yeah. be like a screw you to the rest of the league. We're not done yet game to win. And I am pumped and excited to see that. I do not believe we're going to see that. I think this will be the first time in Lafleur's career that he's lost two in a row, which is fine. Which is fine. We'll be eight and four into the bye. And if you told me at the beginning of the year, we'll be eight and four into the bye after playing Arizona, yeah. San Francisco, the the new Bengals with Joe Burrow, uh, you know, all of these teams that we've just gone through. If you told me we were eight and four, man, I'd have high fived you all day long. I will take that because after Thanksgiving, Lafleur is deadly in December, right? Yeah. So, I think this one is going to get out of hand. I think this will be a hard one for us to watch. I think this is going to be 34-17. I think this is going to be a hard game for us Packer fans to watch, but I do think it'll be a good game for the team because it's really going to take us down from that. You know, when we see teams that they win six, seven in a row and they now they're barely practicing and now they're barely trying and all of a sudden somebody nips them in the ass. I think this one nips them in the ass. I think we lost lost that Vikings game and we're pissed off, but now we're going to try and, and and we're going to, because of injuries, we're not going to get there. And the Rams are coming in to kick our butts. I think this is a great tune-up game that gets us into the bye. We get hungry and we go straight through right into the playoffs. That's what I believe. It's hard to argue with that. I I, I hope I'm wrong, but at the same time, as a fan, as a coach and as a player, the time you want to lose is a, a game is right before the playoffs. Because mm. if you go into the playoffs, we won six, seven in a row. The analytics, the 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 stats, the you know, of you winning eight in a row becomes even more tough. And you know what's even more tough than winning eight in a row is going nine in a row. I, I like it when the teams have suffered a loss and they're they're hungry and they're pissed. And I hope this is that game that makes them hungry and pissed, right? <laughs> Gentlemen, it has been an absolute pleasure all the way from uh, Canada talking to Andy Fox and Peter Jones in the UK. Uh, Peter, let everyone know where they can follow you on Twitter. Yeah, the best the best place is at the underscore IT underscore hedgehog. Perfect. And Andy? At Andy underscore Fox. There Perfect. Absolute pleasure, gentlemen, always talking Packers with you. You guys are a wealth of knowledge, and this has been uh, absolutely fantastic. This has been Packers Without Borders. Try and be kind to one another. Try and love each other. And go Pack Go! Esto ha sido Empacadores Sin Fronteras. No se les olvide cuidarnos unos a los otros. Hasta luego.